chapter number 4 and verse number 8. You pray for us. The Bible says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you, Lord, that you have preserved it, and you have inspired it to this generation. And Lord, we realize that all is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down tonight. And Lord, you put this message on my heart for a reason. And Lord, you have the ones here that need to hear it. I believe that. And uh, Lord, if nobody else, Lord, I need to hear this sermon tonight. And I pray, God, that you would use it and you would do with it what you want done. And I pray that we'd see no man save Jesus only. We'll love you and thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We could probably all quote this verse tonight. James chapter 4, verse 8. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. You know, we often talk about, uh, and you hear talked about, great moves of God, and God moving, and God blessing. I was listening to uh, a particular podcast this week, a good podcast, and they were interviewing some of my heroes, some preachers, and they were talking about and reminiscing of days gone by when God moved uh, in, 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 in services, and God saved people, and God worked worked in churches and worked in lives and how God blessed in miraculous ways. One particular story they told was in uh, 1982. They had uh, gathered uh, together this preacher, a pastor had called a preacher for a revival meeting and wanted him to come. And this, this young evangelist was just getting started and didn't have very many meetings, was preaching around a little bit in his community. And the pastor called for him for a revival. And so uh, the, the uh, week before the revival meeting, the church, the deacon, Deacons did not want to have the revival meeting. In fact, the preacher, he had uh, been deer hunting, had fell out of a tree and broke his leg and was on crutches. And the preacher said that they got the pastor, the deacons got the pastor down in the basement and pushed him in the floor and took his crutches away from him and said, we're not having revival meeting next week. We don't like that preacher. We don't like what he preaches. We don't like how he preaches. And we're not, we're not going to have that meeting. And a couple of the pastor's preacher boys heard the commotion and went in that room about whoop them deacons getting their pastor out of there and that preacher he said I got that revival meeting on Monday night I didn't know any of that had happened he said I thought it was a little tight on Monday night I guess so with all that going on the week before I don't know had I know he didn't know but had I known all that I don't think I'd even showed up and uh, and so he said, I preached on Monday night. He said, it was okay. And he said, and God, give me some messages. And he said, he preached on that Tuesday night. And, there were, and the preacher preaching the meeting was a man by the name of Brother Randy Bain. And Brother Randy said, I, I preached that Tuesday night. And he said, there was a long-haired hippie boy sitting on the front row. I mean, just looked like sin. And he said, he got under conviction that night. And he hit that altar. And he got born again and saved by the grace of God. Some of you might know this name, but that long-haired hippie boy was a preacher named Barry Rackley and he pastors in Rogersville Tennessee and that meeting went on for nine weeks he got saved on the second night of a nine week revival meeting where the deacons had pushed the preacher in the floor and took his crutches now can I say this tonight me and the deacons we've had some disagreements before but I ain't got no crutches and they never took them from me not that not they could get to them to start with and we've, we've not had any of that we've not had any fights break out around here we've not had any of that going on I believe we have a good spirit of unity 
unity in our church. And I thank God for that. And I got to thinking, man, if God could do something like that in a situation, what could He do with a group of people that are unified, that are desiring to see God work and desiring to see God move? I'm not necessarily uh, saying we have to go in extended weeks of meeting unless God wants that. But I'm telling you, we need God to move in our churches. We need God to move again. You know, we consider the country that we're living in. I think you'd agree with me that we need God to move. I tell you, America is wicked. The Bible said that all nations that forget God shall be turned into hell. And America is certainly guilty of that sin tonight. When I think about our children, all the precious children that we have around here, all we need to see a move of God. Wouldn't it be awful for these young people, these children, to grow up in a church like this where we have good singing and the preaching's kind of okay and we have a good fellowship and good unity, but they never see a move of God and they never see God do anything in their church and they never see God do something out of the ordinary. I'm not talking about something weird or something crazy. Uh, I'm talking about a real move of God. I tell you, when we think about the couples and the marriages, we need a move of God. When we think about our churches, boy, I thank God for our church tonight, don't you? I wouldn't. Re- I don't want to be a member of any other church. I don't want to be a part of any other church. They don't have as much fun as we do around here for one reason, uh, but we have such a good spirit around here. But I'll tell you, if we're not careful, we can get cold around here. And I'll tell you what can real, real dangerous in a church like ours, we can get complacent because just about every service we have is a good service. I mean, we, we try to sing and we try to be faithful to preach the Word of God. And if we're not careful, we'll get complacent and we'll just take that for granted and we won't want to take another step. Uh, I, I tell you, our carnality, we need a move of God. We consider the carnality that we have and even the compromise. Now, when we think of compromise, we think about those people that's got the, got the black lights and the move the pulpit out of the way and they've gone the contemporary route. But I'm talking about compromises, things that we used to be against, but now we've allowed back in our lives. I tell you, we need God to move once again. In studying the book of James, this ain't the message, this introduction, but in studying the book of James, that we can see a truth in every chapter. Oh, that should cause us to want to see God move. In chapter 1, when you consider temptation, the Bible said, let no man, when he is tempted, let no man say, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God can not be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. I'm going to tell you, we consider the temptation of sin in this world, even in our own lives. I, I would say we need God to move again. In chapter 2, it talks about how we ought to treat others and how we ought to esteem others. And I'll tell you, we need God to move in that area. Chapter 3, he talks about the tongue and truly we could preach on that and how we need God to move chapter number 4 he talks about our testimony and how you can't be friends with the world and be friends with God you can't have it both ways you need to get off the fence here's what Elijah said who he said choose you this day who's on the Lord's side what side are you going to go how long holds she between two opinions the prophet said chapter number 5 concerning the times he talks about the coming of the Lord Oh, how we need God to move. Would you not agree with me tonight? We need God to move. Well, I want to preach on this thought for a few moments. How to guarantee 
that God will move in our church. I mean, how to guarantee. I'm not talking about that if we do this, He might move. No, I'm telling you tonight, if we will do what I'm preaching tonight out of this Bible, it is a guarantee. It is a promise. It's in there in black and white. It is a promise in the Word of God that if we will do this, that God will move. Amen. Now, He moves in different ways. Sometimes He'll move in a, and saving sinners. Sometimes He'll move and stirring among the saints. Sometimes He'll move uh, scolding us about sin. Uh, whatever it is, I just want God to move uh, and I want God to bless in our church. I don't want us to get used to the glory. I don't want us to get used and commit the sin of familiarity. I just don't want us to go through the motions. Oh, but I desire, I desire, I hunger for God to move in our church. And anybody know what I'm talking about? For God to move in our church and for God to move in our families and for God to move in, our, move in our homes. And if we will do this one thing tonight that I'm preaching about in James 4 8, I'll guarantee you that God will move. Look at your Bible, James 4 8. Here, ready? Ready? See what it is? Draw nigh to God. And He might. Is that what your Bible says? If your Bible says He might, you got a funny Bible, throw it away. No, that King James Bible said, draw nigh to God. And I underline and, and circle these two words in my Bible. And He will. He will. He will draw nigh to you. That sounds like God moving to me. That sounds like a move of God to me. I tell you, we need, we need to, we need a move of God. And how we guarantee that is by drawing nigh to God. There's four things I want to say about this tonight. Number one, there must be the discovery of our position. The discovery of our position. Notice your text. Draw. If you are, draw, draw, draw nigh to God. If, if we need to draw nigh to God, Brother Charles, then I'm surmising that that means that I am not as close to God as I should be. You know what I do all of us well to do is to evaluate our Christianity. Evaluate where we are with God tonight. I thought about this, we need to evaluate our walk. Are we walking with God? The Bible says in Genesis chapter number 5 that all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God. And he was not, for God took him. You know what Enoch did? Hebrews 11 teaches that before he's translated, he had this testimony that he pleased God. And the Bible said, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I'm going to tell you tonight, we all need to evaluate our walk with God. Some people don't have a walk with God. The four walls of this church is the, is the totality of your Bible reading and prayer. Oh my, I hope that's not the case here tonight. You need to evaluate your walk with God. God did not need to walk with Enoch. For if God was walking with Enoch, that means Enoch was leading the way. But Enoch needed to walk with God, meaning that God was directing the path, meaning that God was leading his way. We got a lot of people, they want God to walk with them. They want to lead God around and tell God what to do. But that Bible said that Enoch walked with God. You turn one chapter over in Genesis chapter 6, and it said that Noah walked with God. And those are two men that God blessed in a great way. Hey, are we walking with God tonight? I'm preaching to everybody in the room tonight. Evaluate it. I'm evaluating mine. You know what happens when we evaluate it? Uh, 
This ain't what it's supposed to be, is it? Ain't just where it's supposed to be. Not only our walk, we ought to evaluate our worship. Oh, how many times? I know this is so simple tonight. It's what God gave me. How many times do we come to church and we don't worship? We sit, we go through the motions, and we are a spectator, but we're not a participator. We're not getting involved. We're not saying amen. We're not singing. Hey, I tell you, there should be nobody in this building that don't have a songbook in their hand singing when it's congregational singing. Can I get amen out of that? Everybody ought to be singing. Somebody says, I can't sing. We'll make a joyful noise to the Lord, and we'll try to drown you out, all right? But just sing anyway, amen. I like Brother Gravy said, if you're going to do that, just don't stand under a microphone, all right? But sing and lift up your voice. Worship the Lord. But people come to church, they sit there, they sit, they soak, and they sour. They don't get involved. Hey, and I know you mamas and you parents fighting babies, I know it's hard. I know it's aggravating. I, I, I get it. I understand that. But I tell you, if you'll, if you'll ask the Lord, Lord, would you please give us a little reprieve for a little while? I mean, give them Benadryl. Do whatever you have to do before you come to church. Uh, to get, I mean, just ask God uh, to allow you to worship Him. Say when he talks about when he talks about worship, he said that the Father seeketh such to worship him. He is looking for someone to worship him. That verse tells me tonight that he come by Safe Harbor Baptist Church and he's looking for someone that'll worship him. I wonder would he find anybody here tonight? Would he find anyone that wants to worship him? Would he find anyone that wants to be in his presence? Amen. By the way, I, I, I want to say it again, I like having the children in the service. Amen. And, and sometimes you got to take them out and, 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 and wear their hind in out and bring them back in. Amen. I understand that. Uh, but, but it's better having them in here than having them learn about Chucky the church mice. Somebody say amen right there. And, and, and getting them around the real thing. I'll tell you what I have seen. I've been at some services where people are worshiping God and kids just, oh man, could get quiet. What, a stillness come over that congregation, amen? Even my kids, ain't that a miracle? Amen. Some of y'all can say amen and smile, all right. What I'm saying is I evaluate your worship. How about our words? Evaluate our words. What do we say in our communication? So I said, why is our words such a big deal? Well, Luke said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So our words are just testifying about what's on the inside of us. What are we saying? What is it revealing about us? How about our will? Are we wanting to do the will of God? I've quoted the verses this morning, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renew of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Are you doing the will of God tonight? I'm talking about evaluating, discovering your position. How about evaluating our way? Is the direction you are going in life getting you closer to God or further from God? There's only two options there. Whatever way you're going is getting you closer to God or getting you further from God. Is that why Solomon said, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not thine own understanding. And in all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy paths. I want God to move, don't you? There's got to be the discovery of our position. Secondly, there's got to be the desire for purity. Look at verse number 8 again. Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Here's the purity. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. The reason, I wrote this down today, the reason we do not live, live a cleaner life than what we do is because we choose not to. It ain't, it ain't because of temptation. 
It ain't because of anything else. It ain't because of who we live with or who we don't live with. The reason we don't live cleaner and the reason we don't live closer to God than what we do is because we choose not to. Boy, ain't that tight. I got myself under conviction on writing that down. I'm like, ooh. But it's the truth. It's the truth. He deals with two areas. First of all, he deals with our hands. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. This is what you do. What are you involved in? Are you involved in anything that's filthy, sinful, wrong? Hey, may I remind you, this is still sinful? Amen. Defiling that temple? Amen. God didn't put a smoke alarm in his church? Amen. You wouldn't light up a cigarette in this church. Why would you put one in your body? Your body's a temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm just saying, are you doing anything with your hands? Are you clicking on things you shouldn't be? Are you, are you participating in things? Cleanse your hands. That's what you do. Then he deals with the heart and purify your heart, you double-minded. The hands is what you do, but the heart is who you are. That's who you are. That's who you are when nobody else is around. That's the one. See, the hands is what everybody else sees. And some people don't have a problem with that at all. They'll plaster it all over their Facebook. Hello? They don't hide. They used to hide sin, Brother Richie. They used to hide it. I mean, they used to, I, I, I mean, I'd hear preachers talk about how they'd be at the grocery store and they'd see a church member not dressed right and the church member would avoid them because they did not want to see the preacher and, and not dressed right. Ain't nobody ever preached on that, but they're just convicted by that. Oh, but now, they'll just put it all over Facebook and, 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 and publicize their sin. Everybody sees that. But the heart is what God sees. The heart's what God sees. Do you have a desire for purity tonight? Do we have a desire for holiness tonight? Do we have a desire to have a clean heart and clean hands? All of you tonight. I didn't know all of you mothers. But I think all your mothers were like my mother, was a mother. Amen. And you know what they'd always say when you come to the table? Go wash your hands. Don't come to the table with dirty hands. Oh, but how many times do we come to the Lord's table? We got dirty hands, but worse, we got a dirty heart. There's got to be a discovery of our position. There's got to be a desire for purity. Then notice number three, the direction of our path. Draw nigh, watch it now, to where? To God. This leads me to a great question. How do I draw closer to God? It's so simple. First of all, through giving attention to the Scriptures. Wherewithal, Psalm 119, verse 9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. That little phrase, take heed, it means to bring close. It means to draw near. It means, it gives the, the word picture there of Brother Charles is out of a ship that is trying to dock in port. And so they would send out uh, what is called, uh, what is uh, uh, we sing about it, a bark. We sing about it in that song, My bark shall sail safely. They send out a little boat to the big ship and they give them a rope and it would draw them closer to the shore to dock. Well, that's what we ought to do with the Word of God. It has something on the inside that ought to, ought to pull us, take it closer and apply it to our lives. You ought to read it. You ought to study it. You ought to give attention to it. You ought to memorize it. You ought to apply God's Word. Not only through giving attention to the Scriptures, but secondly through abiding in supplication. Preacher, you telling me how I draw closer to God is reading the Bible and praying? You're getting it. We're getting it. That's what it is tonight, church. 
the disciples come to Jesus in Luke 11, and they did not say, Lord, teach us how to pray. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. You know our biggest problem with prayer? We just don't do it. Is that not right? We just don't do it. The devil fights prayer more than anything. I mean, we're going to have a prayer revival here at the church. And I know it's going to be the least attended thing we've ever had. You know why? Because people don't think much of prayer. I said, preacher, I thought you'd think more of us. I, I mean, I hope y'all proved me wrong. But God's put this on my heart. Take it. Well, preacher, it's fighting the kids. Hey, if we have to, we'll have people rotate watching the kids and the nurse doing what we have to so people can be a part of the prayer meeting. But it wouldn't hurt you to get your kids down on the altar and pray with them. And I know they want to get up now. I know they want to go back and forth. And you got to teach them that. You got to, you got to teach them that. I understand that. You got to teach them, okay, whatever it is, you got to teach them that. But you better, they better know that prayer is important. One of the things that encourages me, but also discourages me, is the children coming to the altar. Because majority of the time, it's the children bringing the parents to the altar and not the parents bringing the children to the altar. Now, I'm not scolding anybody tonight. I'm not saying that when your children bring that you don't have a desire to pray. But don't let that be the only time you take your kids to the altars when they're dragging you down there. There'll be some times where you say, hey, let's go. You ought to make the initiative. Hey, Daddy, it shouldn't always be Mama leading the way out. Amen. You need to lead in prayer, abiding in prayer, abiding in supplication. How about through attending the sanctuary? I'm talking about how do we draw closer to God? You go to church, not forsaking. And I know you're here on a rainy Sunday night. We're not forsaking the assembly of ourselves is. But it, uh, as, as the manner of some is, that tells me that some were laying out of church even in the Hebrew writer's day. But exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We all believe Jesus is coming back. We sing in the choir. I believe Jesus is coming back like he said. But I wish he went to church like it. I feel like a goof. I've been bragging on the faithfulness of our church members here lately in the last two weeks. And I know we've had people sick, but our Sunday night crowd, we've had people here Sunday morning. They could have been back Sunday night, and they wasn't. So now i got to, like, okay. All that good stuff I said, take it, I take it back. <laughs> hey, well, we got to be faithful, though. you got to be faithful in this thing. You give the devil an inch, he'll take a mile. How, how do we draw close to the Lord? Through the authority of the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit of God. I'm almost done. Being filled with the Spirit of God. Be not drunk with wine, where it says, but be filled with the Spirit. Daxon's got three baseball gloves, and he can't catch nothing with any of them. He can't even catch a cold with one. But you know what? That glove, baseball glove, has no power in and of itself to catch a ball until, until he puts his hand in it. I'd say we have no power until God puts his hand on it and God fills us. Do you know what it's like to be filled with the Spirit of God? I'm talking about, what does that mean? When I put my hand in that glove, I have control. I have complete control of that glove. Where I go, it goes. If I walk to right field, it goes to right field. If I go to third base, it goes to first base. I have complete control of it. Does God have complete control of us tonight? Are we filled with the Spirit? Now, people say, well, preacher, i got about two of those four down. You know, I'm reading the Bible and praying. It ain't, it ain't get as many as you can. It's do all of them. 
It ain't you pick out the one that's easy for you and you do it. No, if you do one without the other, you're wasting your time. If you try to pray without reading the Word of God, what are you going to talk about? If you, try to pray, if you try to read the Bible without the Spirit's leading you and guiding you, you ain't going to get nothing out of it. If you ain't going to church, ain't none of that going to make sense to you. Ain't that right? I'm not scolding you tonight. I want to challenge us. So there's the discovery of our position, the desire for purity, the direction of our path. But then notice the delight that is proclamated. And he will draw nigh to you. Three things in this. There's a promise that is real. He will. There's a progression of, uh, there's a, a progression of, of restoration. He will draw nigh. Now remember, God did not stray away. God did not walk away. God did not forsake. That was all on me. But when I decide, decide that I'm tired of living away from God and out of the will of God, and I determine to draw near to Him, He will make up the ground. He restoreth my soul. David said, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. There's a promise that's real. He will. There's a progression that restores, draw nigh. And there's a personal revival. He'll draw nigh to, what's the last word, church? You. Personal revival. Why is God not moving as much in this day? Because we're not moving. I've heard all the reasons. I'll tell you why God's not moving. This, that, and the other. And none of the preachers know what they're talking about. So, is some of the stuff true? Possibly. I understand God's bringing the Jews back. I understand, you know, all that kind of stuff. I'm going to tell you why God's not moving as much as what he did. We're not moving. We're guilty, and I've been guilty. And of all people, a gospel singer straightened me out on this. Well, that's good for you, pride. <laughs> I, heard a, I heard a singer in a meeting one night. He said, we pray and ask God to move. And he never, he never says he will move till we move. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. I'm asking you tonight, church, as a church family, individually, will you take a step? Will you draw nigh to God? But then collectively as a church, will we collectively as a congregation draw nigh to God? Will we collectively draw closer to the Lord? I'm telling you, we need it. These kids need it. Sight or tiny shoes needs it. We need it tonight. We need it. Your kids need it. I need it. Our families need it. And here's the thing. Here's what's, here's what's uh, hard. Because most people are here tonight. All the people, you're faithful. You're here when the doors are open. This is my Wednesday night crowd pretty much. And I appreciate you being here. But I tell you, this is the crowd that needs to draw nigh to God. This is the back, you know they always say Wednesday nights and Sunday nights the backbone of the church. This is the crowd. Hey, don't you want to see your loved ones get saved? Two people. That's amazing. Don't you want to see your loved ones get saved? Don't you, don't you got people going to hell in your family? You do realize they don't get saved, they're going to hell. And they're going to the lake of fire. Boy, wouldn't that make a difference? If we really believed that, wouldn't that make a difference how we talk to them? I said this morning in Sunday school, people testified how they got saved and how somebody brought them to church. Or how somebody invited them to church. And how many people have I invited this week? You know what I figured out? Brother Rich, we don't believe in hell. And we don't believe in heaven. The average church. You know why? We're not trying to get anybody out of hell. We're not trying to get anybody into heaven. 
Really, we're not trying to get anybody to God. Oh, may God help us. You know what we need? We need to draw nigh to God. Here's the thing. Man, we got a good church. Mother Reese was talking to me Tuesday. Tuesday. He's talking about how much you enjoyed being here and the good spirit we have here. And that's so wonderful. But this is a pretty good church that James is writing to. Pretty good set of believers. And he said, hey, draw nigh to God. He'll draw nigh to you. Brother David Shelton always makes this statement. If we will, then he will. It ain't, it ain't based on whether he wants to or not. It's based on whether we will. You know what it's going to do? It's going to cost you something to draw nigh to God. It's going to cost you some things. May God help us. Hey, what I preach to you tonight in James 4a is a guarantee. If we will do this text tonight, God will move. Now, I don't know how he's going to move. But God will move. And by, you know what's burdened me? We've got a lot of precious children around here, don't we? They're going to need to get saved one day, ain't they? Yeah. They can't ride mom and daddy's coattails to heaven. So wouldn't it be good for them to grow up in a church that was constantly wanting to draw closer to the Lord and constantly wanting to walk with the Lord and have a spiritual church? We can have great singing, and we do. We can have good preaching, and I try to be a Bible preacher. But if we have all these things, but we don't have the Spirit of God, and if we don't do anything with it, if we leave it at the front door and then come back and pick it up Wednesday night or come back and pick it up Sunday, we don't live it. Then we ain't no better than the hypocrites in Jesus' day. Oh, may God help us. May God help me. I have been burdened and challenged about drawing out of God. Is there anything in your life that you're being disobedient to the the Lord about? You better obey Him. Do what He says. Draw on out of God. Let's stand. I preach 29 minutes. I appreciate your attention. Brother Matt.